Hello and welcome again to Fat Free Film. I'm Joel Marshall, your host, and we are here uh, with Matt Henderson. He is from Seventh Art Releasing, and it is um, a distribution company. Am I right? Yes. Uh, we're at the Seattle Film Festival, um, and uh, I wanted to talk to him about his company and the kind of things that they look for in uh, when they come to a film festival. Do you have any films in the festival um, this at this time? We actually just acquired the rights to the Jonestown documentary, which is screening here, oh, yeah. and we'll be doing a theatrical release for that and Academy qualifications. Wow, what is that one about? I haven't seen that one. It's about the Jonestown Massacre. It is. Yeah, wow. which was a pretty crazy event in the late 70s. Uh, this guy had a huge following, sort of a religious cult uh, in Guyana. the San Francisco area, right? And he moved it down to Guyana. That was a really horrible thing. Yeah, terrible event. So, so somebody made a documentary on that. Right, Stanley Nelson. He's an award-winning mm-hmm. filmmaker. It's going to be on PBS next year, and we're doing a theatrical release of it prior to that. There's a saying these days that's going around drinking the Kool-Aid. I had a <laughs> friend who uh, just quit Microsoft recently, and he said, yeah, I quit drinking the Kool-Aid. And right. Like, oh, that's really funny. But I, I suppose that that's what that comes from. I suppose so. <laughs> Dark uh, sayings. Um, when you come to, do you go to a lot of festivals during the year? I usually attend probably anywhere between six and ten festivals a year. How did you get into this business of film distribution? It was basically my first film job out of college, and so I, you know, I like the business, and I've been in it ever since. Did you go to business school, or did you go to film school, or what do you do? How do you prepare for this kind of thing? I went. I went to a business school. I majored in economics and film. Mm-hmm. It's. I'm not sure it's something you could you could prepare for it, but I wanted to work in the film industry, and I was looking around at different aspects, and distribution seemed like an interesting one, and it is, and so that's where I ended up. So do you ever take on films or, or take an interest in films before they're finished? Occasionally we do. We distributed a film called Word Wars, which was at Sundance in 2004. We got it from filmmakers prior to completion, we helped them with post-production, and then we brought in Discovery Times, who did the broadcast for that. We did a theatrical release. It was at Sundance, and um, then it was on video through Anchor Bay. What are um, when when you go to look at films these days? I mean, have, how long have you been doing this? First of all, I've been doing it for six years. Six years. So, has there been a change in documentaries over that six years? Definitely. When I first started. Um, we had a focus on documentaries, but there were very few companies who were actually theatrically distributing documentaries. Since then, a number of companies have taken interest in that, and also the quality of documentary films in general seems to have improved in terms of storytelling. So there's definitely a more competitive market to acquiring documentary films these days. I've been seeing a lot of documentaries lately, and, and I, I think that they're getting more specific. I don't know whether that's true or not. But, like, for instance, I just saw the, the film Wordplay right. about the New York Times crossword puzzle. Mm-hmm. And when I was going to it, I'm like, that's really weird that I'm going to a movie just, just about the New York Times crossword puzzle. It doesn't seem like you could get a whole movie out of that. It's interesting. But, and you know what? I have to say, I saw that movie, and then the next day I saw the new X-Men movie. Right. And I tell you, Wordplay was probably more exciting to me. Huh. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just a geek. But uh, it was... It was a really riveting film and right. fascinating. 
Um, do you guys do anything other than documentaries, or do you do um, dramatic features, things like that, too? Occasionally we do dramatic features. It's rare for us, but we're always on the lookout for different films that appeal to our sensibilities. So uh, we distributed a film called Almost Normal that appeared at several film festivals and went to video through Wolf Video, mm -hmm. and it's been doing very well for them, and that was a, a fiction title. Mm -hmm. Now... Um, you seem to go after specific categories. I think they're uh, gay and lesbian films. You have that category. You also have um, films about um, uh, Jewish people. Um, right. You know that are based on that kind of a theme. Um, anything else that you guys sh shoot for, or is it does it matter? I, I wouldn't say that it matters overall, but we do have specific categories where we look more at different things, such as music films and, as you indicated, gay and lesbian titles, that sort of thing. Great. The, what are, if I'm going to make a documentary film, say I choose a topic, you know, whatever it is, um, the LA Times crossword puzzle, if they have one, um, and are there some things that you could tell me about, like, is it better to shoot on a certain format? Um, are there definite bumps in the road that I that you would uh, recommend you know not doing like don't shoot on DV or something like that or I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case a lot of great documentaries have been shot on DV we distributed a film called Bolseros I believe that was shot on Beta SP but um, you know we did Word Wars was shot on DV and mm -hmm. that did pretty well for us so I wouldn't say that you need to shoot on a specific format as long as it's a professional pr production format that you can deliver to video distributors and networks. So I think one of the things that, that has helped documentaries is the fact that the cameras are getting smaller and smaller and easier to kind of blend in. Definitely. Um, so shooting sometimes on that kind of format can be, well, less expensive, but also less um, intimidating to the people right. that you're... Right, you can get more intimate moments that way. Do you think that documentaries have been uh, becoming more manipulative? Is that a possibility? I mean, I know that people are you know, look at certain documentaries and say, well, that's not really a documentary. That's more like a, an op-ed piece, I think, is what people are saying. Sure, like I think that's thing. always been the case, though. I don't yeah. think that's a new development. It, there are specific filmmakers that tend to make documentaries that more describe their point of view rather than what's naturally occurring in front of the camera, and there are others who take a more verite approach to it. But you always have a case where, in the editing, you manipulate the footage. <laughs> to fill your story needs or whatever. So I wouldn't say that necessarily it's more manipulative these days. Is it important when you're editing a film, uh, are there things to remember about, say, I know that one of the things distributors say is some, a lot of times they'll get a film and they want to make sure that there's different tracks for the different sound elements in the film. Sure. Uh, because if... if they have to replace dialogue with, say, a foreign language or something like that. What is? What are the details of that? Sure. Well, a lot of times for foreign distribution, you'll require a music and effects track, which you'll basically separate out all the added music and sound effects from the documentary for foreign distribution. But a lot of times you don't have an option when you're recording sound on a location or following people around, and you just have to live with whatever you record then. and you know, the foreign distributors can deal with it. But um, definitely when you add music and effects to it, you should be aware that that is something that you may need to deliver to your distributor as a music and effects track. And a music and effects track, it just means it's separate from the dialogue? Is that Right, the way it it's works? not including the 
the dialogue or things, narration, things that you added on, or that you gathered on location? A lot of things that we talk about on the show are things about, um, you know, legal matters and, and things that might hinder you later on. And I know music is a big one because a lot of times right. people will see a music, uh, see a film at a film festival and they'll have festival rights or maybe not proper rights for the music. Is that a big issue? Do you That's find? a huge issue, especially for a distribution company of my size because, you know, filmmakers sometimes expect that the distributor is going to clear those music rights, but sometimes those music rights can run into the tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, such as with the film Tarnation, when mm -hmm. he made that film, he didn't have clearances, so it ended up co costing, I believe, a couple hundred thousand dollars to clear the rights for everything used in the film. For a company of my size, that's not really an option, and a lot of times you wouldn't recoup that cost. So you need to be aware when you're making your film of you know, the choices that you make as far as what you include, um, film clips or music, that sort of thing whether you can clear it, um, how much it's going to cost. Now, what about the people involved? Now, when you um, do a documentary, there's all these just people living their lives. Um, what kind of clearance do you have to get for the people? There are different interpretations uh, legally, but to be on the safe side, if you have people who are appearing in your film, you should get clearances from them that you can deliver to your distributor. Are there just uh, specific documents that you can get, like on the internet, for clearance? Um, you know that you could take around. Do you know about that, or do you have to consult with a lawyer and say, you know, I need to get a clearance form for this particular film? You may consult with a lawyer, but that's going to cost you. So yeah. you can also find some of those forms, I believe, on the internet and also in books that you can get from the library or purchase. I'll try and put some links on the website to places where you might be able to locate that kind of thing or books that might lead you in the right direction. Um, there's another thing, too, that just came to mind um, when I was reading a book recently about film marketing, and that is that images that are in your film, sometimes you have to get clearance for. Mm -hmm. I know um, they were saying in particular, like if you shot, like if we were to shoot here, there's a picture on the wall, and if we were to put that into the film in some prominent manner, we might have to get rights on the picture itself. Right. Um, does that ever come up? That's rarely come up in a film that we do, but mm -hmm. uh, it could be an option, especially if you use it you know, separately from what you're shooting at a location. You might not be able to avoid it when you're following somebody somewhere and there happen to be images on the wall that are copyrighted. Mm -hmm. um, and in that case, you may have some you know, legal maneuvers that you could do, but otherwise, if you're using a specific image, a photograph or something, then you need to get permission. Do you ever, um, does anybody ever use product placement in these kind of films? In documentary films? Documentary films. I'd it say it's rare. Um, you might feature a product in your film. A lot of times, you know, products are featured in documentaries negatively. Such as in the... Uh, um, right. Supersize, supersize me. me. Exactly. What so. Do you think there were any kind of rights issues on that? I mean, that must have been a big... I know It there scared was a lot of distributors when they saw it at Sundance to look at the film and think about the legal repercussions from McDonald's, but, you know, they went ahead and distributed it successfully, so... I know there are some other films coming out, like Fast Food Nation and some others that seem to be um, going down the same road. Right, um, but I believe for that film he made up uh, a chain so that he's not specifically naming McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Is there... Uh, if you're spoofing something, can you sometimes use music from what you're spoofing, do you think? 
I'm not a lawyer, so I couldn't be too specific there, but I don't think that you'd be able to do that. I do appreciate you um, answering these technical questions. Um, sure. I realize I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but um, I think it's kind of interesting, you know? Right. Um, what other issues come up when you, when you purchase film? I would like to know how it works. Uh, let's say I had a film that was a, um, a documentary film that I made, and I got it into a film festival, and then I talked with you, and mm -hmm. you, you'd like the film, and you want to distribute it. What kinds of negotiations go on then, once that happens? Sure. Um, well, first off, you need to decide what territories you're going to distribute the film in, uh, what formats you're going to use, whether it just be festivals, or distribute to video, or television, or theatrically. So uh, you discuss what rights are available and what rights the distributor will license from you, and that varies per film. Um, then you need to, as we've discussed, know about clearances and all that stuff. So there are a lot of different things that will end up in the negotiating process. Who handles the um, the PNA? Then once the film, once you guys have picked up a film, how is that handled? Do you guys do it? Do you hire somebody? How does that work? Usually the distributor will handle the P&A. Mm -hmm. um, it could be that an outside source provides the funding for that, but um, that's usually not the case. Prints and advertising, right? That's right. what it stands for. So it's basically how you advertise the film. Right. So And how much money you're going to spend on it. Mm -hmm. So um, that might in turn into the negotiations, specifically how much you're going to spend on that. Um, but I'm not a legal expert again. Yeah. So, Do you guys, once you acquire a film, do you... Um, sometimes take it to other film festivals or is it pulled sure. from the festival circuit? No, usually what we do is we promote the films at film festivals and help build some press and some buzz that way. Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of our films we do theatrical releases. Uh, it may be the case, and this is something that filmmakers might want to be aware of, in smaller markets if you play at a film festival they may not want to book it at a theater in those markets because they feel the audience has already come and gone. So um, you should consult with your distributor about those issues. Do you guys uh, distribute in other ways, or are you looking at new ways to distribute videos, like the Internet or um, cell phones or you know, all these different ways, venues that seem to be cropping up? Um, are you looking into those kind of markets? We've looked into it. So far we haven't entered into any agreements in those areas, mm -hmm. but it's something that we're still looking at. And generally, do your films get theatrical releases, or do they go to DVD, or how, how do you generally handle it? A, a number a of our films do receive theatrical releases. Not uh -huh. all of the films we pick up will receive a theatrical release, mm -hmm. but um, we often book films in theaters and from then just build value to make the sales for them. What are some of the favorite films that you've had, uh, documentary films that you guys have released? One of my favorites was Hell House, mm -hmm. which was sort of a terrifying documentary about this uh, group of conservative Christians in Texas who put on a, a haunted house every year to try to scare people to convert into Christianity. And they put different scenes in different rooms that they bring people through. Um, one is a hospital scene where there's a, a girl who has taken the abortion pill and is bleeding to, bleeding to death, and oh a guy who's dying from AIDS. And so one of them prays to God and is saved, and the other one does not and is sent to hell. And at the end, they have all the people who were sent to hell writhing in agony, and they bring you through a last room where um, they tell you, basically, you can go out this door and live your life the way you've been living it, or you can stay with us and pray, 
and they claim to have a high conversion rate. So it's a <laughs> it's a fascinating film because it's it's made in a verite style and uh-huh. it lets the subjects speak for themselves. So it's pretty even handed, mm-hmm. and you kind of get out of it what you bring to it. Mm-hmm. But you know, from different political perspectives, it can be interesting to see what people it does have to say. Interesting. I'm going to have to see that. Um, what about television? Uh, releasing um, documentary films on television. Do you tend to do that ever? Yeah, we have reached television licenses for a number of our films. Mm-hmm. So um, there are a lot of different networks out there that will show documentaries. So yeah, there's some great stuff on television as far as that goes. Um, okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to do the film bite section mm-hmm. of the show, and uh, uh, my film bite. Um, I'm gonna have to think of one. Do you have one? <laughs> we already sort of discussed. <laughs> I know we've been through so mind, many so. interesting things. Uh, you answered a lot of questions that I had about uh, licensing and things like that. I really appreciate you doing that. Sure. Is there any other thing that you you know that we didn't get to that you'd like to say? Hmm. I don't know. You don't have to say anything. Yeah, I don't have anything off the top of my head. I was going to say make sure you have your clearances because that's an important yeah. issue, but. You sort of covered that. Cool. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap it up. But if you have any questions for us, um, you can email me at joel at fatfreefilm.com. Also, check out the website. I'm going to try and put some links up to, well, I will definitely put a link to their company. They have a website, and you can see all the different films that they offer. They do quite a bit. Um, and I want to thank you, Matt, for um, being here and taking the time out. I know it's a busy time. Sure, thanks, Joel. To these things. So I really appreciate it. It's really nice meeting you.